0: Welcome one, welcome all to the Random Scrub Heat podcast presented by The Basement. I'm your host, LJ Cascon. I'm joined by the general Ariel Latias, the thunder from down under, my boy George. (laughs) And if it ain't foreign, it's born Alex Maserati. I know that's not his last name, but that's what I call him so I can make the joke. Um, So quick housekeeping before we get into uh, today's actual topics of going into the role players, seeing what we like, what we didn't like, who we're most excited for. Uh, Quick housekeeping, Marcus Garrett has a fractured right wrist and he was released from his two-way deal. He now have something to, to play with there if they feel so necessary, and he'll be out for at least four weeks before he's reevaluated. And that sucks because he is a legit menace on defense, but you know that's another rotation spot opening up. And Not that he would be in the rotation, but it's another area for Spo to kind of toy with. So opening up, I want us to open up on a positive note, say something nice, a new segment on the show where we all say something nice about a player that we haven't been exactly high on or just someone who has impressed us, a, a chance to spotlight somebody who hasn't been getting their flowers for me, it's Duncan Robinson, AKA white lightning. There's something to be said about trotting Duncan out there with a bunch of undrafted guys and getting a quasi organized, coherent offense. Um, It happened for like three straight games now in the preseason. And that's not necessarily a fluke. That's a testament to Duncan that he's actually getting guys organized. And for the first time in his career, we can say he has expanded his offense. He's putting the ball on the floor off of DHO. He's he's not just passing out of it to reset. He's taking a dribble and he's going into the paint. We've seen him hit floaters. We saw a couple times last night and two games prior to that, he's kicking out of the drive, hitting someone on a cut. And that is so beneficial for his game. Defenses don't respect his dribble. If you can respect his dribble on a pump fake, because they respect the shot. He pump fakes, they're going to go for it. That gives him a wide open lane to go in, help defense comes, you kick it out. It's exactly what he's doing. It's resulted in easy points for them multiple times this preseason already. I was hard on him last week because he didn't have a great game against Minnesota, but he does seem to be like a more smarter and more efficient, confident player overall. And I'll end with this. He makes Spoh's job a little more difficult, which is always a good thing. Now, Ariel, let's go to you. Who is your person that you're going to say something nice about?
1: Uh, I guess I'll go with Drew Smith. I haven't had very much to say that I would I would term nice about Drew Smith um, from seeing him kind of in Summer League and then in the uh, first three preseason games. I just haven't seen much from him. Just haven't been a fan overall of his game. Uh, I've been kind of feeling like he's just a body out there for them. Someone um, you know that they'd eventually maybe stash in the G League, um, which he kind of has been. That's basically what he's been. But he was really solid in the last preseason game uh, versus Houston. He went for 15 on 6 of 11 shooting. He got downhill, uh, got to the rim a couple of times. He showed legit floor general qualities, including that one impressive, like, floater, skyhook, alley-oop pass-looking thing to to Jamal Kane. I still think they end up stashing him in the G League, and maybe he never actually makes it up to the big club, but... Uh, He showed some stuff in the last game, so I'll give him credit for that. But ultimately, yeah, I just kind of think he's a body for them now. The two two two-way spots are spoken for since they've released – Mark, it was Darius Days that they also released Marcus Garrett, right? Give me a thumbs up on that. Okay, so I guess they do have the one to play with since they converted Jamal Kane uh, for the other uh, two-way spot. But I don't see any any real scenario where it goes to Drew Smith. Although, uh, like I said, good in the last game, so we'll give him his flowers for that.
0: All I want to say on that is if Drew Smith keeps popping off in the last preseason game, I think it's tomorrow um, or today, depending on when you're listening to this, I just want all the listeners to tweet out hashtag Drew League, D-R-U League. That's all I want from it. All right, Alex, go ahead. Say something nice.
2: Uh, Jovich and Kane are obviously going to get most of the flowers and we'll obviously talk about them. I'm going to go with Max Strews. He wasn't put in an easy position. This man started a bunch of games last year. Everyone, they put up the graphic every time. What is it like 25 and nine or even better when he was starting in games last year was starting in the Eastern conference finals and everyone kind of just immediately said next year, you're going back to the bench. He showed out specifically in the game against Houston shooting the absolute crap out of the ball. And he still is a capable defender, and I don't know, I really like Max Strus's mentality. He's very confident. He comes in, isn't really shaken about, well, is Tyler going to start? You know, does Depot want minutes? He just comes in, he hits his threes, and he plays as much defense as he possibly can. So especially with Duncan, too, LJ, you mentioned it. He's been coming on strong this preseason, sort of making Spoh's job more difficult. Obviously, those two guys play very similar games. So for Strus to not really back down and regress, but look just as good, if not better, than last year, I think is a big sign. So I'm going to go Max Strus.
0: Yeah, Max Drews leading the team in points with twenty-four last night, and just his shooting is a bonus. Like you said, he's not worried about whether Depot wants minutes or if Tyler wants minutes. He's going to come out and just play, and it's it would be hard to put him on the bench because he he hasn't done anything to lose it. But when you have this much uh, fruitful people on your bench, eventually, and you're Tyler, you're giving Tyler that money, he's going to have to move back to the bench. Being Max Drews, but all right, George, say something nice. I
3: think the two players have been most critical of uh plays we already mentioned in, in Duncan and uh and Drew Smith. But there's someone else I've I've been quite vocal on uh, and that's Victor Depot and watching him play yesterday uh, my biggest criticism of him is his inability to to stay healthy at the best of times and that's like it's not always his fault and I get that but it, it was nice to see him actually play some solid minutes out there without looking like he was um his injury was wavering on him at all. Uh, I, I also like the fact that you know his defensive prowess is really being put on show. Um, when, he, when he does get called up. Three steals yesterday um, and played some good on-ball defense. I was really happy with the minutes I saw from him. Uh, but besides that, there's no one really I can get really too critical of. Um, I've been really, really impressed with the entire line that we've been putting out there. All the players who I thought weren't going to uh, achieve much have been absolutely killing it. The players like Jamal Kane and, uh, and Nikola Jovic as well. So I'm, I'm going to have to go with Oladipo as well. Hopefully he can stay healthy and, and give us a lot more off the bench this year.
0: Everyone pretty much talking about guards and it, it, it's, it's not a bad thing to have depth at a certain position. It's really important. And don't ever overlook insurance at a specific position in the basement. We never do. That's why we're proud to be sponsored by simple health advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated, email them or give them a call today and tell them that the basement sent you email our boy, JP at simple or send them a call three two one three, four, five, seven, seven, three, eight. One more time. You can call them at three, two, one, three, four, five, seven, seven, three, eight. Speaking a little bit more on depth role players, a Miami heat staple, something you always want to look at at a team. We've gotten a good look at a lot of guys thus far in the preseason. We know what Jimmy's going to bring. We know what Kyle's going to bring. We've seen bam, take a little bit of an aggressive step and Tyler, we know what you're going to get from Tyler in the regular season, Postseason still to be determined, but Going into some of the role players that have really impressed me thus far, going down the list real quick, a, a lightning round, so to speak. Haywood Highsmith, you know you're going to get defense. You know, he's going he's gonna to shoot the ball. He's not afraid to shoot. We saw it last year, too, in the game against Charlotte. I remember because I was there. They just signed him to the 10-day, and he just started jacking shots. Dude did not care, and not a lot of them went in, but I think you're going to see a little bit of a leap from him as well. The only thing with him, he's kind of capped. He's definitely a 3-and-D kind of guy. You're not going to get much more. Going into the next guy where you can get a little more is Kayla Martin. His jump shot is, in my opinion, a little more reliable ever since they fixed a little hitch in it. They fixed it. Um, He shot, I believe it was like 37% in college or something like that from three. He's only going to get better. He's more athletic. I don't think he's the same defensive guy that Haywood is, but I do think that he can do more on offense, and depending on who you have on the floor with him, that's probably a better option anyway. We already talked about Marcus Garrett. I did want to touch on him too, but we already got into it earlier with his injury. He's no longer really a factor. Um, the the high schooler Nikola Jovic just just polished. Not nearly what we saw when we drafted him. We didn't expect a whole lot, you know. It's, when you draft a European guy, it's hit or miss most of the time. Pat Riley really liked this. We didn't see it in summer league, but it is night and day between what we saw in summer league and what we've seen in the preseason from him. He's not as raw as we saw. His shot looks. Pretty reliable. He's a smart, good passer. He orchestrates an offense, and he's a willing rebounder for his size. I know he's seven feet, but frame-wise, he's a very willing rebounder as well. He had 12 against Houston last night. I think he can start later in the year, but right now I think it's Caleb's job to lose. And finally, Jamal Kane. Off-ball offense, really impressive. That's how you steal minutes in the NBA. That's how you force a coach's hand with a set roster when there's other ball-dominant players that you're playing with off-ball cuts, creating easy offense for those guys to pass. Like I mentioned earlier, Kyle, Jimmy, Bam for a lesser extent, have the ball in their hands. They're good passers. They are going to find you when you get open. And he's pretty athletic too, which is something this team doesn't really have a whole lot of. We've seen a lot of value from him in the preseason alone. So all of those guys, Ariel, let's go to you. Who's impressed you the most? It doesn't have to be someone that I mentioned, just in general, who's impressed you the most thus far in the preseason?
1: So I think there's a couple of, uh, I guess we'll call them layups here. We'll see if the other one gets taken. I'm definitely gonna go with, uh, with one of them here. So thank you for lobbing that up to me. We're gonna go with Nikola Jovic. Um, he's been the most impressive role player for me this preseason, uh, mostly since I honestly didn't expect very much at all from him, uh, coming into the preseason. Uh, but he's shown that he could be the latest like draft find for the Heat. Um. He's averaged like about eleven point six rebounds, three assists, one and a half steals. He's been a cumulative uh, plus forty three in the minutes that he's been on the court over the four uh, preseason games so far. So they've been pretty good uh, when he's been on the court, and in those lineups, he's been the backup five, right? And they're running a lot of offense through him, kind of uh, what you alluded to. So uh, the the fact that you described him as being a polished offensive player is a fantastic description for him. He's a natural <clears throat> offensive player. It's very it's very clear. The sample size um, is pretty small, obviously, but he's shown you know, his ability to shoot off the catch or off the bounce. He's shown impressive instincts as a passer. Um, he's ha- He had 12 rebounds in 23 minutes versus Houston, like you mentioned, LJ. Um, he's been alert in the passing lanes with a bunch of deflections. The thing that has impressed me the most about him has been his feel on offense. Uh, he's super comfortable on that end. He projects as a good to really good all-around offensive player down the line. The question is, is he ready for rotation minutes right now, right? Like, that's what this really comes down to. I don't think any of us really have doubts about whether or not uh, Jovic can be a good player, a good offensive player for the Heat in the future. You can see that he'll grow into that. Like, he can handle the ball, put it down on the deck a little bit as well. Um, but the question is, is he ready for those minutes right now? I think the backup five battle obviously comes kind of comes down to him uh omer seven and Dwayne Deadman. I don't think spo's ultimately gonna start Omer. I think he gave it a little bit of a look, uh, but those lineups weren't very good. Omer seven you know, I, I just I want the guy to be good, but he's so bad defensively and he's so, so It's like having a traffic cone out there on defense, right? Like he gets blown by by you know six foot ten, six foot eleven centers that shouldn't be blowing by you, but it just happens. Um and so if he's not really ready for those minutes is it Dwayne Dedman? Like we saw what happened last year when uh, Bam was out for six weeks, right? They ran Dwayne Dedman into the ground and he gave the Heat really good minutes, but he had nothing left after that. So what is the plan for him? Are you using him as the primary backup to Bam out of bio? Is he used in spot minutes? Are you saving him for later in the season? To me, I want to give Nikola as much run as possible. Get him out there on the court early in the season with Bam, without Bam anchoring uh, lineups at the five or playing at the four next to Bam. I don't really care. I want that kid to get experience because I think he's a type of player that could potentially develop at a pretty fast rate because of how skilled and how intelligent he is on the offensive end. So I don't know if he's a rotation player right away. I would have him in there as the backup five, but I do think he's a rotation piece by the end of the season.
0: I like that you mentioned traffic cone with Omer because that's what I thought Jovic was going to be on defense, just out of European film that we saw too heading into the draft. He's not incredible on defense. I didn't expect him to be, but like you mentioned, he's good at getting deflections too. He got a couple nice blocks the last couple of games as well. He's a willing defender as well as a willing rebounder. I like what I've seen in that regard. You know, you're going to get like what a three or four week good stretch for Deadman. And then after that, he's old. I mean, call a spade a spade. The dude's not built like he once was when he was in Atlanta and he was a little more athletic. He's not there anymore. Jovich I think really is, I want to say the skeleton key, so to speak to unlock what Bam can really do on offense too. Those, both of those guys, they're very good passers, like you mentioned also. I think he can really be that missing piece for Bam if he bulks up a little bit. Like you said, I don't think he's ready this year to really contribute in a massive manner. But in the future, absolutely. The future is looking bright as far as youth movement on this team. And I, I just, I am excited for what he can bring. Especially because with a European pick, it usually is hit or miss. But it looks like they've gotten a hit thus far.
2: Alex, who's impressed you the most? For me, it's got to be Kane. He's he's looked really, really great as well. And again, Jovic has been fantastic, and I agree with you. Eric. He needs as many reps as possible, especially defensively, because I often forget that he doesn't know, and I think he said this after he got drafted, like how to play the four, how to play the five. When he got drafted, he's obviously learned a lot now. But he was like a guard when he was playing internationally and becoming a prospect. So to see that much growth in him already, specifically really in the pick-and-roll defense, I thought he looked not – A disaster right and he's got active hands in the passing lane which is all you can ask for at this stage he's been fantastic but kane to me is the stereotypical heat player guy that we have found that can play defense that can hopefully hit some threes to me he looks like a bigger version of djj a lot of the aspects of djj's game that i absolutely loved i see in his the versatility on defense the jump out of the gym athletic ability and again, you mentioned it, LJ, he cuts to the basket, which I know Spolstra loves. They love the off-ball movement. It's what they design a lot of their offense around. He is going to have to have a role on this team. Like, he he just has to play. I don't know how – I think they already made him a – got him the two-way contract, right? So they got that done and over with before another team scooped him away, which I was super glad to see. Him and Jovich have obviously stuck out. They already have a little bit of a, little bit of a partnership, I really want to see them play together off the bench, to be honest with you. My name on the stream yard, I don't know if y'all can see it if we do a video version, but is start Jovic, and I would start him. We obviously know that, you know, Spo isn't going to do that, that he doesn't like to start the young guys. Hero hasn't even started up to this point, to BAM years. But these two guys off the bench, I would love to see as a four and five partnership more than I would like to see Omar Yurtsevin play, to be completely honest with you. And if you want to save Dwayne Denman towards the end of the season in the playoff run, I'd actually prefer that because he runs out of gas and again no fault of his own lj you mentioned it call a spade a spade he's up there in age and he's got a weird obsession with finger roll layups i don't understand why Dwayne deadman in the lane wants to do this big scoop thing just go up my man i don't know just just go up be big and and attack the rim pause but like do not do not do that scoop finger roll layup ever again in the lane please i just hate watching it so I would love to see those two partner up, but, man, Jamal Cain has looked really, really good defensively. And when I think of a guy that the Heat really, really need right now to fill that P.J. Tucker role, and every, obviously a lot of people joked about how a lot of the role players said, I can do a little bit of what P.J. did. I think Jamal Cain's the closest thing they've got right now, besides maybe Caleb on the roster if he was a few inches taller. Um, but I got to give it to Cain. He's been fantastic along with Jovich. To your point about Deadman, I think
0: it's probably because he's gotten rim stuff a couple too many times now he's trying to just not embarrass himself he's got a he's got a couple bunnies he's got little bunnies but I mean for someone his size you'd like to see a little bit more but again he's a little older but yeah Kane he's an impressive hustle guy too I didn't expect that out of him either he was a good shooter I know I watched highlights of him in Oakland he's a good player with the ball in his hand so again to see him be able to do the same impact of the game with the ball out of his hands on offense is very very refreshing he has 11 offensive rebounds this preseason that's crazy like that right there i mean that's f- starting at the four quality um, exactly. pullback that you're getting from this undrafted
2: guy but then again that's the miami heat george and like you mentioned that oh, keeps sorry. it keeps it makes Spo's decision hard to keep them off the floor when you're getting offensive rebounds when you're cutting passing lanes like you're screaming heat culture like you are doing all the dirty work and things like that so it's going to be hard to see spoke keep him on the bench or keep him in soup falls or wherever it may be but I really like to see him off the bench with Gilbitch I think they've got a connection oh, I agree Errol you
0: want to get back in here so speak about Kane real quick
1: yeah I just want to mention that you know I think it was uh our friend from Miami Heat beat Brian Goins who mentioned on Twitter he said that he would um he cut Haywood Highsmith now I don't know if I agree with that maybe a different player but cut Haywood Highsmith now and convert Jamal Kane to a standard three-year NBA contract at the minimum before he becomes Caleb 2.0. Save the trouble of using any exception money right now. That's a very good point because what happened with um, Caleb Martin was that he'd had to go into their mid-level exception and use that money in order – to retain him on his contract because they didn't they didn't have his bird rights given that the deal that he was signed to was a one year deal Um, in order. And it needs to be uh, you need to have three years of club control under your belt in order to retain bird rights for a player who goes into free agency. So if the Heat just kind of keep him on the two way deal and then maybe they convert him around like January or whatever it is to a standard NBA contract, Jamal Kane becomes a free agent next summer and the Heat, if he does show out, have to go into their exception money again as they'll be over the cap. In order to retain him, so I actually think Brian makes a really good point. If they, I've seen enough. Like I, I, ha, I'm fully comfortable giving that dude a, a standard like three year minimum NBA contract type of deal. If he would take that, that's great for them. It saves them a ton of trouble, and they don't have to go into their exception money to retain him if he shows out this season.
0: I, I'm happy you brought that up too because I agree. I think that's something to look on, especially January. If they're going to do it, that's the time to do it. You extend him there. You don't have to eat into any other money. And it's about time that they start doing something with these other guys, with the depth pieces, too. They hold on to players for a little too long before they make a move. We saw it with Duncan where his value isn't exactly there, not peak value. You're starting to get to that point now with Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Uh, You really are. I mean, you have to do something with them. They're going to want their money eventually. Their, Their value is as high as it's ever been right now. And same, I mean, kind of same thing with Kane, but that's a very, very small sample size too. It's not exactly the same thing. But yeah, they're getting paid very, very soon the summer after the season, as you said. I think it's a it's a it's a smart bet to uh buy relatively low on Kane, get into that three-year deal around January. If they do it, that's where I'm looking at. George, gonna go to you now. What do you think? Wh- who has impressed you the most thus far in
3: the preseason? I'm gonna quickly dabble in what you guys have talked about so far as well. Um, this is gonna be the most active January slash February period the Heat's going to have in a long time. There's a lot of moves that need to be, you know, that that need to be consulted, need to be figured out. Uh, a lot of role players who are uh, expected to get paid, you know, you mentioned before, Struis and, um, and, and players of that caliber are going to want a set sizable contracts. And if this team's not positioned correctly to give them those contracts, we could be seeing an exodus of players where we don't actually get anything in return, which would just be horrible for the Heat. Bad asset management. Um, I'm starting to sound like Harry, a former, uh, our current, uh, you know, um, RSHP brain over here, but um, he it's the it's the truth. If we can't uh, if we can't manage these assets properly, we're going to lose them for nothing. We're going to have a a lot of um, you know, backlash from fans, backlash from from other organisations as well. And you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what the, what the Heat's going to do with these contracts and with these players as well. Moving into preseason, there's a player that you know the, the big stories of so far have been you know Jovic and Kane. These players have been fantastic and phenomenal, and you know we, we've talked about them a lot. The player that hasn't been spoken about a lot is um, is Gabe Vincent, and there's a big, uh, you know, a big story with Gabe Vincent as, as well because Tyler here is moving into the starting lineup. That's my opinion. That's what I believe is going to happen. That's what I, I believe is the is the general uh, consensus on the player with this team having such a uh, a high emphasis on on you know high possession, ball control, and being able to move the ball quickly and efficiently. We have a lot of you know, a pressure on the on the shoulders of Jim Butler when he plays that handle the ball with Carl Lowry, you know what you're gonna get, how healthy he's gonna stay. A lot of players, you know, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people in the organization, um, I I believe are trying to get him to a point where he's physically capable enough to play those minutes to then control the ball. When he's on the floor, we are I I believe we're fine. Jimmy's off the floor, it gets a bit more a bit more difficult. With Gabe Vincent coming off the bench, he has a massive role to play. He he's Looked pretty pretty good so far in preseason, handling the ball, getting a few, you know, getting some players open, passing the ball well. But it's on his shoulders now, off the bench, to really shoulder that load. Uh, you know, when 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 players like Lowry and Jimmy sit, I know Oladipo and Shoes off the bench are the biggest stories so far. Oladipo is going to be, you know, a, a bit of an all round player. We're hoping he will be. But if Gabe can, can take that leap and be a gen, uh, you know, a genuinely good ball handler. um and and get players open and and, and facilitate offense in a way that Kyle Lowry could teach him to do. I feel like that's going to just help this team so much more moving forward.
0: I'm happy you brought up Gabe Vincent too, because we saw the jump from him relatively speaking in the playoffs last year with Kyle Lowry going down. He, the team, I mean, just look at the numbers. The team was better with Gabe Vincent in there in the playoffs. And that was not something I expected to happen, but I'm very happy it did. So yes, I, I am very excited for Gabe Vincent as well, because How's his role going to expand? Are they going to kind of peel back Lowry's minutes a little bit? We know he has an injury history. I don't, you know, prayers up to him. I don't, I don't want to speculate anything about his personal reasons on why he missed games last year. That wasn't health-related, but then he did in the playoffs go in a little nicked up. So it's nice to have that insurance policy with Gabe Vincent too. I'm really, really happy that they have him. But now I want to go in a little bit. Prior to the preseason, it was a very popular talking point throughout the entire offseason to say that the rest of the East got better and the Heat got worse. I was one of those vocal people as well that thought the Heat didn't do anything. They they didn't make any improvements. I mean, Atlanta got better. Milwaukee got better. The team that beat you in the playoffs, the Boston Celtics added Malcolm Brogdon. They got better. Philadelphia poached P.J. Tucker from you. What did the Heat do? They sat on their hands. They drafted a teenager out of Europe. But now it's a very different context now that you have looking at it after seeing some of the young guys that we've already talked about today, get their shot and kind of to a lesser extent show out in their limited showings. Do you think the Heat team has actually gotten better? And, or do you think that they've basically stayed the same as was a popular talking point throughout the offseason area? Where, where do you stand on that?
1: It's it, I'll be honest with you. This might be the cop-out answer, but I don't know. So my general inclination is to kind of say that I th- don't think, okay, on paper, they've gotten worse, right? You lose PJ Tucker. He was an integral part um, of that team last year. I don't care what he looks like in Philly this year. People say, you know, I like I could see it unfolding to where he doesn't look very good. And then all season long, everybody's talking about how the heat dodged a bullet and whatever. Um, but then he shows out for Philly in the playoffs because it's just, you know, he's, he's that kind of guy. Like he he brings it when it needs to be brought. Um but that's not relevant, right? Like that does not have any bearing on whether or not this Heat team is better than last year's team. So he was integral to them last year. Losing him on paper knocks them down a peg. Now, the, the upside for the Heat is that they've got a bunch of young to relatively young players that you can expect – a mini to substantial jump from. So the substa- the potential substantial jump guys, obviously Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. Um, if both of those guys make a jump, like a legit, like they take another step. If Tyler takes the type of step that he took last year, becomes better with the ball in his hand, becomes better at getting to the rim, uh, continues being an absurdly elite tough shot maker, like in the 98th percentile or whatever it was, uh, based on difficulty of his shot attempts, um in terms of shot making if he continues that and just gets a little bit better then a lot of that is offset in addition to that you've got a bunch of other players on the heat roster that i don't think that we've talked about as being potential candidates for a leap like i could see you know max streus you know being better this season he slimmed down he could you know he improved the ball handling like if he can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands become less terrible on defense like duncan has kind of you know improved a little bit on that end as well if he does that the same way you can have a leap right there, Gabe Vincent, who we just talked about. I mean, he was good for them in the playoffs, right? If they're looking to bring back Kyle Lowry's minutes a little bit this season, maybe you know, there's some injury type of stuff or whatever. Gabe Vincent gets a bigger role. Like, I could see him continuing to improve as a player. He's only really been a good air quotes. You guys can't see me on video if you're listening on the pod feed. Uh, air quotes. He's only been a a a good NBA like ball handler, but he can improve. Like, there's no reason that a player like that can improve he's only been at that level for what two years now so he can get better um Caleb Martin Caleb Martin could get better easily uh Victor Oladipo could be healthy you know we only we got a pretty small sample size in that one preseason game uh in terms of like Vic minutes but he could absolutely be better for them now if all of those things are going to happen then yeah the heat are going to be better than they were last season but to expect all of those things to happen I think is kind of foolish right you hope that you get one or two maybe three of those guys uh where they have that type of season where they take a leap you need Kyle Lowry Jimmy Butler you need those guys to stay healthy um my safe bet right now is to kind of say that they're about where they were last season the problem is like you mentioned LJ all the teams around them got better the teams you mentioned in addition to Cleveland is a big one that I don't think people are talking about enough like hey man that that team all of their best players are all star caliber. They're all like under 25 or 26. So it's kind of hard to project them in my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. I'm being honest with you guys. I wouldn't be shocked if they were a top three team this year uh in the East. They could absolutely do that. So, you know, there's kind of an you need a few a bunch of things to go right in order to mitigate that. So right now I'm gonna say the heat kind of stay put, but there is potential for them depending on the 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 degree of leap that guys like Bam and Tyler specifically take. Uh, for them to make up for the loss of PJ Tucker and remain right towards the top of that Eastern Conference, right now I've got them as the third or fourth best team in the East. Though
0: I'm glad you brought up Cleveland too, because hand in the air, you guys also can't see. I have my hand in the air on the pod feed. I'm admitting I blocked out Cleveland out of my mind because I'm just not ready to 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 deal unpack those demons that we didn't get Donovan Mitchell. So I'm not I'm not I'm not going to dwell on that. But yes, I, I do agree. If everything goes well, you're looking at I mean. Shoot, they were they were the number one seed last year, right? But if everything goes well in a perfect world, yes, they can repeat as the number one seed. I think three or four is probably more of a realistic spot. Alex, how about you? What what are you, what are you feeling? Do you think they got better this off season, or are they really just staying put? So,
2: right when the offseason ended, after the draft, before the preseason had started, I would have told you we definitely had gotten we had definitely gotten worse. And again, the biggest thing. For me, was seeing what Boston did. And again, I think Milwaukee is better than us when healthy. I think they were just really missing Chris Middleton last year. Otherwise, I think they probably won the championship, to be honest with you. I think Drew Holiday is criminally underrated in this league. He's fantastic and showed out when they went on that championship run. But other than that, I am not too afraid of any other team, especially because of the Ime Odoka situation with the Celtics. They're gonna have an unproven coach behind the bench. If Ime was behind the bench, I would tell you the Celtics are better than us because they obviously made the move for Malcolm Brogdon. But they've got a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Jalen Brown's free agency is on the horizon. Robert Williams is hurt again. And just the way that the whole situation was handled with the Celtics, you can't tell me it's not going to be a distraction and have zero effect on the locker room. Like You just can't. Finally, the Celtics get over the hump with this great defensive coach, and he's gone after one year. I think it's going to be a problem. If Caleb Martin can be absolutely lethal as a three-point shooter, I think that he can be better than they were last year. That's where I think he can make up for in terms of, well, you know, he's not as big as PJ is. I don't think he's as good as a defender as PJ is. And obviously PJ's elite from the corner three. But if this man can hit threes consistently from all areas of the floor, because he's going to get the looks, the four in the heat, like the four for the heat the last couple of years has just gotten, has had the green light forever. Kelly, Myers Leonard, Jay Crowder when he was here, PJ Tucker, all these dudes get the green light from three because that's who they leave open is whoever starts first with the four. He's got some more arc on his shot. If it's consistent, if he can consistently drain threes, then I think that he'd have a chance to be better. Otherwise, I think they are going to take a little bit of a step back this year. But again, they are going to be the deepest team in the league. But the question is, does that really fucking mean anything at the end of the year? Like, does like because again, we're gonna love it, and I cannot wait for a bench unit of you know, Gabe, Depot, Struess, Jovich, Kane. Like, I think that's absolutely awesome, and I'll be locked in for the bench units more maybe now than any other year. But when playoff time comes around then you gotta beat Milwaukee, you can't rely on those players. Even if even if Jovic and Kane and Caleb have a fantastic year, you you need guys like PJ Tucker. You need the dudes with experience. So I think in some ways the Heat could look better in the regular season this year, but I don't know if they'll look as good as they did in the playoffs in certain moments. And again, we just keep coming back to Bam, Hero, and Jimmy and Kyle, right? These dudes are all making 30 plus million dollars. Tyler not technically yet. He's about to. And I keep saying it, I need 25 plus a game from Tyler. If he's going to shoot at that volume, again, if he gives you like 22, 23 on fantastic efficiency, no, I won't complain. But I'm assuming that Jimmy's going to do what he usually does in the regular season, which is take a step back, be a facilitator, be a great help defender, get you 20 points a game. But we're not asking him to do all that. I love the aggressiveness that Bam has taken so far in the preseason. I hate to say it, but I'll I'll see it when I believe. I'll believe it when I see it on the threes in the regular season. He took one. He made one. I love it. Please take more and I, would, I hope it happens in the regular season. But I can't rely on Kyle, but we've got Gabe Vincent. I think the Heat are probably going to finish second in the East this year, only behind Milwaukee. They'll look really, really good. But, again, I think the Celtics with their coaching thing kind of knocked them down a peg. I think Cleveland will be a big surprise and jump up to three. I'm not going to buy in all the way on Philly, man. I don't think Doc Rivers is that great. And to be honest with you, when I see Spo versus Doc Rivers in the playoff series, I grin. I really do. I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited for it. And I think that's barbecue chicken from a, from a coaching standpoint. And I love Spo. So Milwaukee is just the team that I think is, you know, clearly above us, but in certain ways to go back to your beginning of the question, I think there's some ways where we'll look better. We'll look more young. I think we'll be a little bit more exciting um, than last year. I think we played very boring last year basketball. I think with Tyler starting, Bam taking more threes, Yovich emergence, I think we could see just more exciting heat basketball in the regular season. But again, in the playoffs, I think it's going to, I think that's when we're going to kind of look and be like, okay, well, maybe we are a little bit worse than last year.
0: I like that you brought up the MA situation because I forgot to. Yes, Boston roster wise got better, head coaching wise. If MA's there, it's a different story. Obviously, everything that he's done in the offseason, that's a messy situation. We're not going to get into it. But you saw when Brad Stevens was helming that team from a head coaching perspective, they underachieved because of the coach. It was the same roster, basically, same construction. The coach was kind of the downfall. So, it's a very mixed bag with what Boston's saying too. So I agree. I I think realistically, I know I said three or four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they jump up to two because they are a regular season built team. And we need to see those players contribute in the playoffs. Like last year, for example, they were one of the best three point shooting teams in the league, if not the best. And then regular season came, they fell off a cliff. And the fact that they even made it as far as they did with that poor shooting was a testament to their abilities and their, and their just grit. But yeah, no, they, they definitely need to not have a stinker in the playoffs again with some of these improving players from a shooting perspective if they want to take, go to the promised land like the, the main goal is. So, George, how, how do you feel about the Heat team right now? Do you like it more than when the offseason wrapped? Or do, do you have higher expectations, lower expectations? Where are you feeling?
3: I love the points that you guys have made before as well because you know it, it shines a light on the real um, real questions we need to be asking of this team as well. When, when I'm talking about um, did we get better or worse, it, it's a loaded question because we're talking about relative to other teams. We're talking about, um, you know, as, as a roster as a whole, do we just move up or down? There are, I, I circle back to the problems that we have, yeah, we've had in, in, in recent years as well, because um, our ball handling and our, our playmaking, when Jimmy goes off the floor, takes a, a massive toll. And if we can improve on that in the coming year, like I was talking about Gabe Vincent taking that, that, that leap, um, Hero wants to get better as that, you know, Jimmy will just be Jimmy. Hopefully, we'll stay healthy um, to give us more options in playmaking. Uh, defensively as well, I think we took a hit with losing PJ Tucker as well. I feel like he's a he's a tenacious defender. Um, and when it comes down, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, he's always in the lineup. He'll be there for you. Um, so, who's going to take that leap moving forward to just, you know, solidify that that extra defensive, um, the gap that we've now got with our, with our PJ? Will Caleb take a step up? I really hope so. Uh, Jamal Kane is looking really. Really promising, really athletic, um, quick on his feet, so hopefully he can take that leap as well. But you're right. I- eventually, these these questions that for the regular season really don't mean much. When we talk about having a deep team, we've always had a deep team. This team, through the regular season, looks fantastic. The big development and the reason why I think uh, – not the reason why I think, the reason I know that we're going to have to get better is because when it comes down to playoff time, you, you said it yourself, we can't rely on these young guys – and a 10 man bench 11 man bench to get it done because in the playoffs is a whole different demon new beast new 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 challenges as well the the leap has to come from players that are already there players like Tyler Hero who have struggled in recent in recent years in the playoffs uh Bam's numbers also dip in the playoffs we need those to come up we need him to to progress as a player i believe he's the most important piece to our postseason success moving forward because he brings so much of what we need in bunches defensively is uh, a monster 24-7. I love him defensively. But if he can add that offensive game and, and not get absolutely destroyed by Robert Williams this year and actually be able to to, to go past these defenders and, and have a know-how um, to get past them eff- efficiently and to, to get his points, to get his own bucket, I, I'm going to say this team got better. I'm going to say that team got better. But these are questions we can only see when it comes down to postseason time. In the regular season, we can see a lot of jump from the younger guys and see how, how well we've done. Um, I, my hopes of holding a high seed took a hit. I believe there's a lot of uh, development that we need to go through through the season that's going to judge how we're going to perform. So I, I think more around the fifth, sixth seed is more ideal. I feel like it's, it's not even that bad, in my opinion. If we get the fifth seed, fourth seed, it's not that bad. But if as long as we... As long as we um, develop the young guys and 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 figure out a way to get them more involved in the in the in the regular season, it's a success.
0: As you mentioned, yeah, it just comes down to showing up in the playoffs. Is it, all it is. Jimmy Butler beat the Bryn Forbes allegations last postseason. We need Tyler here to beat the DeLon Wright pre, uh, allegations this upcoming postseason. It's just what they're going to need to be successful. Last thing before we go, we're going to go around the horn real quick. Best case, worst case, seed wise for the Heat. Ariel, let's start with you. Best case, worst case
1: oh man best case first seed everything goes right bam Tyler make make those leaps and then all of that little role player stuff that we're talking about kind of doesn't matter as much um and then worst case uh you know you suffer injuries maybe there's just kind of a stagnation of the roster um other teams around them get better they are a they're a six seed at worst i think george's little george's prediction there i think is is probably the worst case scenario to me um i think they're a six seed if if everything goes wrong they're, they're going to win games in the regular season. Like they're going to grind out games. They're going to find, they'll fight to wins even if they've got injuries. So uh, yeah, six seed is my worst case scenario.
2: Alex, what about you? Best case, worst case? Um, best case is a one seed. You know, they live up to the hype. Bam and Tyler take the leap. or one seed just like last year. Worst case scenario for me, where they stay healthy, is like a four or a five seed. I really don't see them falling below that. I really do like Chicago, Cleveland, some of these other teams, but I still think that, we have Eric Spolstra, Bam Adebayo is going to be fantastic this year and we'll grind our way to victories. But if Jimmy misses a bunch of games, Kyle, you know, misses a bunch of games. And if Bam gets hurt, I mean, he missed a bunch of games last year. If something like that happened again, then yeah, we could, we could slip into the plan for sure. But I think worst case scenario, like we just play badly and it's not, it's not injuries. I think we could slip to a fifth seed, but again, like I don't know. I think Boston could take a step back this year. Chicago has a lot of question marks. Is DeMar DeRozan going to repeat that crazy season he had last year? Like, I, I don't know. Philadelphia, James Harden claims he lost weight. So did Kyle Lowry. Baggy T-shirts are a nasty, nasty agenda. I've got to start wearing more of them. Um, everybody's working out the UFC gym recently, I guess, too. So we'll see what's, what's going to happen with that. I, again, I'm really just – I just think Milwaukee's the only team I look at where I was like, yeah, they're, they're probably 100% better. Other than that, I think that he can go toe-to-toe with anybody
3: when
2: healthy. George, what about you? Worst case,
0: best case? I know. Do you think the worst case is the six, or that's just what you're expecting?
3: Keep your expectations low. Never get hurt. That's the best life advice I can give anybody here. That's just that's just a fact. Um, I can't really follow the act of Alex just then. that was fantastic. The best case scenario for me, definitely the one seed. Everyone stays healthy. Everything goes right. Definitely achievable. Um, I expect the four or five seed just because – I don't want to get hurt when it happens <laughs> if, if if we go lower. I don't see the the floor be, you know, the the floor being the play in. I don't really see this team dipping that low. That's forget worst case scenario, that's rebuild your franchise bad. But I I don't expect us to be versing Charlotte in the first round of the play in this year, but I'll say floor floor 6 for and 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 ceiling 7 feeling uh, what ceiling 1 for sure.
0: I hate to agree and just be a homer in that regard too and agreeing with everybody, but that's basically it. I mean, they're not – if the floor falls out, they still have enough depth pieces to still be competitive. We saw it last season when all the injuries came in too, so worst case is a six. They're not going to be competing in the play-in. Charlotte I think is going to be really, really bad, so I don't think we'll even see them in there. I like the Hornets. I I live in Charlotte. I I, I like when they're not terrible. I'd like to see them win a playoff series for once. But no, every time they've made the playoffs recently, it's been against Miami, but it is what it is. Um, I think best case one seed as well. Um, that that's just where it is. They they did it
2: last year. Alex, do you have something to say? I was going to say, let's just call it like it is. There's some poverty franchises that are not going to finish ahead of us. Like there's just no chance that the Knicks finish ahead of us. I I don't, I don't like, there's just no, I can't wait to beat the Knicks again, make fun of the Knicks again. It's just my favorite thing to do all year. So like, there's, there's no way they finish ahead of us. Again, you talked about Charlotte. They're not going to finish ahead of us. Like we're talking about some of these playing teams. that are just in a completely different world than the heat. Again, I'll keep saying it because we're doing it. We're paying four dudes thirty plus million dollars. Like we gotta have home court advantage in the playoffs, first round at least. So I just I don't think there's gonna there's some teams that are even if we play not to our level that we're all expecting. I still think we're better than a lot of those teams. that are gonna fight for the plan, for example.
0: I agree. I, that's why pretty much all of us are in agreement. To the floor is like a six. Even a, a
3: terrible season is still a competitive one. George, one more thing from you. But two things really quickly. Number one, move out of Charlotte. You'll only be more disappointed with the team. Don't. don't there's no way they win a playoff series it, with the, with how bad the defense is and the other problems they've had in the offseason. Number two, if we verse the Knicks in the play-in this year, mark my words, I'll get a Jalen Brunson tattoo on my neck. That is not going to happen. It will not happen. We have just
0: created the very first tattoo bet of the show's history, so you guys have witnessed history. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you all so much. Take care. Be good people.